Is it a bird? A plane? Superman? No, wait. It's a UFO. That's right, guys. We are back again with some wild, crazy alien theories. But this time, we took it way back to the beginning. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Hey, Thena, why do aliens not eat clowns? I don't know, Kylie. Why? Uh, because they taste funny. As I understand it, we have to go back to 1961 to start this, uh, this whole incident, don't we? Yes, that's right. September 19th, 1961. When we, traveling south on Route 3, arrived in an area called Lancaster, New Hampshire, Betty called my attention to uh, an object or a star that she had been watching. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm Thena. And I'm Kylie. And we're here. To talk some uh, gnarly things in the sky with you tonight. I'm so excited. I love aliens. Do you think that it's bullshit we have not been abducted by aliens yet? Because <laughs> I think it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. I'm very... There's some gray area with aliens. And uh, I need to know that... I said it on purpose. I need to know that information before I think I want to be abducted. I mean, we did just go see Nope this weekend, yeah. so maybe we don't want aliens. We definitely don't want to see that one. I don't want those kind of aliens. I just want, like, that ain't Barney Hill's aliens. They didn't seem too bad. I'll, I'll do these. Or, like, uh, Travis Walton's aliens. Those didn't seem too bad. A little, little aggressive, but... What about Skinwalker Ranch aliens? I don't know. They're not doing anything bad to humans, just to cows. Don't be a cow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not a cow. We're good. We're Let's good. go. <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, like the worst they do is they put some stuff in your body in some places you don't want them to. I mean, come on, you know, it's not that bad. It could be worse. They could be like, uh, you know, cattle mutilationing you. Yeah, that's true. So I guess before we get into the episode tonight, we should tell you guys of something big. Um, we are going to be having a giveaway. Giveaway! A giveaway! A giveaway! A giveaway! <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're having another giveaway, guys. And this time we get to partner with someone really cool and we get to do something cool. So you gotta stay tuned because it is uh, in this episode. I see what you did there. Stay tuned. That's our phrase. <laughs> yeah, you saw. So I explained it to you. So you extra saw like you saw it with 2020 vision no, and I, I put didn't. glasses I on did you. Not. I did not. <laughs> but stay tuned. <laughs> but before we get to that. It's here in the episode. Let's uh, start so they can get to that giveaway, right? The giveaway? <laughs> the giveaway. <laughs> in the past, we've discussed the men in black. We've talked some of the phenomenon of Skinwalker Ranch. But we really need to start talking about where aliens kind of originated from and the beginning stories of them. Not just the stories of the greys and the reptilians and everything that's been happening, but we need to talk more about how they kind of became an at-home topic that you hear at the dining room table or like why people on the internet love them, things like that, right? So this is one of the first origination stories and it begins with Betty and Barney Hill. So let's uh, get to it. I'm so excited for this episode. <laughs> I freaking love this story. <laughs> love it. 
Barney Hill Jr. was born on July 20th, 1922. He was born in Newport News, Virginia. Barney was the youngest of four children whose father was a shipyard worker. After the family moved to Philadelphia, Barney had graduated from his high school. He attended Temple University and enlisted in the Army for World War II. I used to work there. The Temple University? In Newport News. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry, I kind of, I monologued. And, and, and our, um, our, our, um. Art person. Taylor. (laughs) Artwork creator. Yes. Um. I was going to say artist, and then I I don't, I don't know. Anyway, Taylor used to work at the shipyard. Okay. <laughs> really fun, comes full circle fun, here. Fun facts of the day. <laughs> um, uh, Barney went on to marry a woman named Ruby Horn. They had two children. They later got divorced, and that's when he met and married a woman named Betty Hill, who was white. Barney is black. That is why I have to specify that. It does come into play later because this is the 1960s when they are married and this whole scenario happens. And I think you guys are getting the hint that I'm throwing out here. So do with that information what you will. Betty Hill, a little bit harder to find information on. She was born June 28th, 1919 in New New Hampshire. And Betty grew up to be a social worker. Like I said, it's a little bit harder to find information about her. Really to the point. (laughs) There's a website you can go and you can get a few more documents, but the documents are $5 a page and uh, they don't tell you what's on the documents. You just have to ask what you want and they will send you something. So like you could say like, can I know something about her early life? And they will charge you $5. They might genuinely just send you her birth certificate or they might send you her old pay stubs. They might send you. So it's, it's kind of confusing. Uh, I did it for one thing because there was something I really wanted information on, but, uh, sorry guys. I didn't do it for everything. (laughs) I didn't really think that Betty's previous life really made a huge difference. We do know she has a sibling because that gets brought up later. Betty and Barney Hill get married, right? Okay, they're going to be living in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. What did I say? Portsmouth? Portsmouth. Ports? Port S. Mouth. Portsmouth? Portsmouth. Portsmouth? I lived in in Portsmouth, Virginia, so I'm pretty sure it's Portsmouth, New Hampshire. You say that very weird, too. New Hampshire? Okay, so they lived there. It's not the Shire, okay? (laughs) It's always the Shire. Oh, I did have my Lord of the Rings shirt on before we started recording and I changed it last minute. So I thought that's why you were making fun of me. Whoops. No, I do remember that you had that shirt on, but I wasn't. Got to bring it back to the Shire, guys. (laughs) They lived uh, back in the Shire in 1960s. They were an interracial couple, like I said, at a time when it was particularly uncommon in the United States to be an interracial couple. They were active members of the NAACP. NAACP and they were well-known members of their community. I thought I said that backwards. I thought double NACP is what I said and I had to like catch my mind to figure out what you were saying. Yeah. This all adds up because when they talk about their story, people will make claims that because they're an interracial couple, it stresses them out and it's what made them create this whole event in their head. But other people are like, they are super well known people in the community and everything. They have nothing to gain because they're already happy and in love and no one's hating on them for it. So they that like makes them believable. I'll bring that up again later. 
This story is mostly made up of journals, reports, stories, and hypnosis accounts from Barney and Betty themselves and the people that help them along the way, like the people that do the hypnosis and things, obviously. So according to a report given by the Hills, it begun one night. So the alleged... (laughs) (laughs) I really wanted to be dramatic, right? The alleged UFO sighting happened between 10.30 p.m., or it happened about at 10.30 p.m. on a Tuesday, September 19th, 1961. The Hills were driving their 1957 Chevrolet Black... Nope. I don't know what color it was. Bel Air. <laughs> I just wanted I mean, to you be put Bel Air and back yep. together. <laughs> <laughs> they were driving their uh, Chevy Bel Air back to Portsmouth mm-hmm. from a vacation in <laughs> Niagara Falls and Montreal. Did I say that one weird too? Montreal? Montreal. How do you go about it? Now I can't think about it. Okay. I say Montreal and I've heard that more often, but my Canadian Montreal. friend was like, it is Montreal. What yeah, do you I mean? think Montreal. During the drive, Betty claimed to have observed a bright point of light in the sky that moved from below the moon and below the planet Jupiter. Because she's just staring at Jupiter, right? <laughs> so could you identify Jupiter in the sky for me? Because Jupiter has rings. Like, I get that. But yeah, I would not be able to be like, that one. That Wait, does Jupiter have rings? That's Saturn. Jupiter is the one with the huge ass mm-hmm. moons. Yep, you're right. Jupiter has the biggest moons. I think. But isn't Saturn the one that you can see sometimes? I can't see any of them. You asked me to pinpoint something in the sky. I can't even tell you the fucking North Star. Yeah, no, it takes I'm, it takes me a while. I would not cut it as a Girl Scout. I mean, I did because <laughs> I was one, but I wouldn't. An actual real Girl Scout. <laughs> sure. But, you know, that involves cookies. Yes. <laughs> I was the cookie type of Girl Scout, not the camping outside kind. <laughs> While Barney was navigating them through U.S. Route 3, Betty reasoned that she was observing a shooting star because that was, you know, the only thing that at first she could think that it had to be because of its speed and, you know, it moving through the sky, right? But then she realized it was moving upward. Shooting stars shoot (laughs) downward. (laughs) Really? Yes. So... (laughs) The light began stressing Betty out because she claimed it was not moving at the regular pace of a normal shooting star, and it was moving erratically around the sky. She said it was growing in size and continuing to get brighter. Betty convinced Barney to stop the car and pull over so she could get out the binoculars to get a closer look. Barney stopped at a scenic picnic area just over Twin Mountain. And while Betty went to go try and like get the binoculars, you know, and like set them up and everything and make sense of what she was seeing, Barney took out their doxy and he gave her a little walk. Her name was Delzy. Delcy, Delcy, that's what I said. No, you're you're adding a. Z Why do you sound? not like how I say anything <laughs> on this planet? Is there anything I can do to impress you, Delcy? That's the same fucking <laughs> sentence word I said. Sentence word. I couldn't think. I'm fucking moving on. We're not talking about the dog anymore. You ruined it. I want to talk about the family Kmart portrait, but no, you ruined it. Betty was looking through the binoculars when she observed an odd-shaped craft flashing multicolored lights traveling in the sky. Now, several years earlier, Betty's sister claimed to have seen a flying saucer. So Betty was like, flashlight, right? Like, or light bulb, right? <laughs> and she's like, that's the same thing I'm seeing because that's the only thing that'll make sense. It, it goes along with my sister's story. 
with that, she kind of, you know, she alerts Barney. Barney sees it. Barney was an avid plane watcher. And he was like, no, that's just a commercial airline. And when I call someone an avid plane watcher, it just makes me think of Lou Pearlman being an avid blimp watcher and lover. I did think of him. And like, I don't want to think of Mr. Fleshy. I would rather think of someone else. <laughs> um, that's from the boy band con, guys. A really fun, but not fun episode in the archives. So, yeah, whatever. Anyways, Barney, he liked his planes, so he thought that's what it was at first. But then he realized it couldn't have been a plane because of how fast it's descending towards them. So he was super skeptical, and his only rational thought was it has to be a military vehicle being tested out. The couple quickly returned to the car with their dog that I won't name, and they drove towards an area called... Kylie? Franconia. Okay. Franconia Notch. It's a super twisting, narrow, steep, mountainous stretch of road. Now, because this road is so sketchy and dangerous, Barney had to drive at a really slow pace just so they could be safe. Because you have to also remember it's like dark out and it's nighttime and stuff. So Betty was observing the thing in the sky still. She's like using the binoculars and looking up at it. She noticed the object was following them and... It was moving in a rotating fashion rather than just like a plane flying. So like something on it was like rotating or like almost like spinning or something like like, swinging. Yeah. It wasn't just like a normal item flying in the sky towards them. Couldn't have been a blimp is what I'm saying. Couldn't (laughs) have been a blimp, not an airplane. It's something else. Not Superman. It was almost like it was an unidentifiable flying object. Like, I don't know if you know what I mean when I say that, mm. but just it was like Possibly. unidentifiable. Identify. <laughs> God, I fucked up my own joke. <laughs> yeah. We still got it. <laughs> Betty said the object was over 40 feet long, which in my head, when I say 40 feet long, I personally can't think of like how long that is. So I looked up what is a common item in life that's 40 feet long. School buses. School buses are 40 feet long. They used to be 50 feet long, but nowadays they're 40 feet. So I don't know why they got smaller. Don't ask me. Right. But but, um, so think about a school bus in the air, rotating, hovering, coming towards them with light, with lights. (laughs) Sounds safe. The hills were still driving through the park. They were heading south and they noticed the flying object had went over the top of Canyon Mountain And had came out on the other side near Old Man of the mountain area. I don't know these areas, but it's what they describe. So I'm giving it to you. (laughs) The object rapidly descended towards their vehicle, causing Barney to stop in the middle of the highway. The object was still a bit away, but it was only 100 feet above the car, silently looming over them. So that's another thing. It was quiet. Barney got out of the vehicle with his pistol And that was when he finally got a look at the object. And he said it looked like a large pancake in the air. Kylie, what's your favorite kind of pancake? Favorite kind of pancake? Yes. I'm a waffle person. (laughs) I'm a French toast person. But if I if I do a pancake, I like me some like cheesecake pancakes. Oh, no, I'm just like butter and syrup. Or I like blueberry syrup. Blueberry syrup, but not blueberry pancakes. No, I don't like blueberry pancakes. That's fucking gross. 
I hate chocolate chip pancakes too. I would like chocolate chip, but I can't do like chocolate chip and butter and syrup. Like I can't do it. Yeah. Like I'd rather eat it by itself, like a muffin. I feel that. I feel that. Ooh, chocolate chip muffins are good too. Yes. Kind of like the ones in the giveaway. Ooh, teaser. I- Keep listening. <laughs> So he saw a pancake in the air. I don't know what flavor he saw, but it was just a pancake. (laughs) Barney claimed there was eight to 11 humanoid figures looking out of the windows of the flying object. So obviously it has windows on it. And he said when he noticed them in unison, they all like backed away from the windows at once, except for one. One singular humanoid creature stayed towards the window. And from... This part of the story, like, we think that's the last interaction Barney has. Um, And we're like, okay, that's weird, right? But but when he goes under hypnosis later, Barney says that when all the other creatures moved back and that one stayed forward, that one telepathically told him through his head, stay where you are and keep looking at me. Or keep looking, you know, like, uh, spooky, right? A little bit spooky. A little spooky. But we don't find that out until hypnosis. It wasn't until October 21st of 1961 when more information was coming out and Barney reported to the NICAP investigator Walter Webb that the, and I quote, beings were somehow not human. That's very men in blacky, alien-y, alien-y. Alien-y. That's a weird word. (laughs) The creatures, he said in his words, all had matching uniforms that were similar to black jumpsuits. And they dressed like humans, but something still seemed off about them. Kylie. Very men in black. Your first question of the night. No. What does NICAP stand for? Oh, fuck. I told you all of my answers are going to be Bigelow ass. (laughs) It is the National Investigation Committee um, of Aerial Phenomenon. No, it's Bigelow ass. Okay. (laughs) That's in the archives. Go, Go listen to Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch. Barney felt a fear of fear wash over him. A rush of fear. He felt a rush of fear. <laughs> he, I tried to save it, but that wasn't a savable one. <laughs> Barney felt a rush of fear wash over him because he couldn't understand exactly what he was seeing in front of him. They then believed that Betty and Barney believed they saw wings with red colored lights on it come out of the sides of the vehicle and it plunged downward towards them, and it was only 50 feet above them now, and it was less than 300 feet away from the hill's car. So, like, 50 feet is only that, like, school bus-ish size also, and it's school bus size hovering over them. That's big feeling. Barney, at this point, told Betty, they're going to capture us, and he was, like, hysterical when he yelled this, and so they began to drive away. And as they were driving away, they heard some like rhythmic noises of beeping and buzzing sounds. And these noises almost seemed to like bounce off the trunk, like back into their vehicle. And every time they heard the noise, their bodies felt really tingly and it felt like it vibrated their body. So almost like it was like pulsing with them or something. Yeah. Yeah. The couple said that after that moment, everything felt hazy And another set of beeping noises brought them back. And when they came back to their like conscious state of being, they had traveled 35 miles south and they could not remember even driving that. They did not remember a moment of being on the road. 
but they did recall making a sudden, sharp, unplanned turn, and it encountered a roadblock, and they observed a fiery orb in the road. The Hills eventually made it home that night when dawn was approaching on, so I guess it's not that night, technically it's the next day, on September 20th. And at the time, they originally were like, okay, everything's fine, right? Like, life is okay. But later during hypnosis, they realized how weird they were when they got home. Betty at first insisted their luggage had to be kept near the back door outside because she thought radiation might have leaked into it. Then they said that their watches stopped working and like wouldn't work ever again at this point. They also said that the leather strap on the binoculars was torn, but neither one of them remembers anything about anything happening to the binoculars. Also, Barney, the toes of his shoes were all scraped up like and dinged and dinged up, which this was like a really nice outfit for him that night. So it was odd that they were in bad condition at this point. Well, and it's like the toes like dragging. Yeah, he was dragged. Barney said he felt compelled to go into the bathroom and look at his genitals, but he realized nothing was unusual. So then Betty and Barney had took separate long showers to remove possible contamination because they kept feeling like there was something like contaminating or radiating something. Like you feel yeah. dirty. Yeah. After settling back down, they both thought we should draw pictures of what we had observed that night. And when they did, their pictures matched and then they just decided to sleep it off. At that point, I have no idea how you could just take a nap and sleep it off, but they did. Must have been very stressful. I mean, it's probably a little bit traumatic. Yeah. But I think that would keep me awake. I would be too stressed to sleep. Yeah. No, it would take me a long time to fall asleep. And meanwhile, the dog probably just wants attention. The dog? Yeah. D. D the dog. (laughs) D the dog. (laughs) Betty and Barney tried to return to normal after their naps by like waking up and being, you know, coherent, doing normal things. At first, one of the things they did was they went out back to the car and they noticed there was shiny metal disc shaped marks that were new on the back of the car, specifically like kind of in the area where they said they thought the noises were coming from. Because remember, the noises felt like they were coming from the back of the car. There's now these like new markings on the back of the car. Betty also placed her shoes and clothes she had worn during the drive into her closet, and she noticed the dress was torn at the hem. The zipper and lining were torn slightly. And later, when she also went to grab other things out of her closet, she noticed there was a pink powder on the dress. It did just, like, come off. It wasn't anything big. It wasn't staining or anything. But there was, like, a pink powder. She also decided it was okay to grab the luggage and bring it inside finally. Betty remembered at some point that when her sister had talked about the aliens in the past, she talked about trying to use a compass to test the magnetic pole and magnetic field. It's um, said that, you know, like compasses, well, it's not said, it's science. Compasses work because of magnets, right? Okay, (laughs) right. so, So Betty brought a compass out to the car and she started checking all around the car those markings on the back of the car caused a disturbance in the magnetic field on the compass. And it was like going crazy. Think stranger things and how like Dustin has to dumb it down and explain to Steve the concept in how compasses work in season two and season four, where he's like, no, Steve, like, yes, I think you think you're right, but you're not right because the compass is no Steve. And everyone's like, your compass is broken. He's like, my compass isn't broken. Compasses don't break. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which speaking of stranger things, Kylie, do you want to talk about the giveaway now? Yes, the giveaway? The giveaway! 
Hey guys, as some of you know, I am a die-hard Stranger Things fan. You? A Stranger Things fan? What gives it away? The Steve Harrington tattoo or the shrine of Stranger Things merch in your room? Okay, all right. Yeah, it's like to the point where I've lost track of how many times I've watched it, how often I'm tagged in Stranger Things stuff. But like, the coolest thing is about to happen, you guys. I get to tell you about a Stranger Things giveaway. And like... Yeah, I'm a huge Steve fan. I'm a huge Eddie fan. I'm a huge Dustin fan. I'm I'm like an everyone fan. But like, the thing is, is I just want to talk about Stranger Things all the time with you guys. Here we go again. Kylie, it's food related. Okay, color me interested then because we know food is my love language. So one of my favorite food companies is called Dead Darling Boutique. And they have so many tasty things. Tasty, tasty things. Tell me more. Well, they have like barbecue sauces, brownie mixes, muffin mix, chip dip, blondie mix, dinner kits, mac and cheese, scones. Oh my gosh, I could just keep going. But you don't want me to, so uh, that's like not even half of it, okay? It's insane what all they have. Um, chip dip? Yes, please. And let me guess, they have Stranger Things themed things? Yes, because they have like scary movies, haunted delights, witchy brews, the... TV show Supernatural even, which like I named my cat after, so that's a huge deal. And of all things, my pride and joy, Stranger Things. I personally have made some of the things on the menu and I was obsessed with the Camp Crystal Lake brownie mix. Camp Crystal Lake? Like Jason, that sounds really promising for a movie fanatic like me. I need to look at this menu now. Give me the details, please. Personally, I like how easy their website is to use. It's deaddarlingboutique.com, so literally their name. And there you can stock up to get enough things to throw like a super epic horror movie night themed party. You can have spooky snacks and it'll be super fun. And now we get the awesome job of working with them for a giveaway. Yes, isn't that so cool? Okay guys, okay, here's the deal. We're going to grant the winner a free package of, wait for it, wait for it. 11 waffle mix that is of course brown butter maple flavored plus a package of chocolatey chocolate chip muffins that is none other than the scoops ahoy muffin mix the rules for the entry are super simple you just have to be following dead darling boutique and cryptic soup pod on instagram aka the people doing this giveaway and on those pages you'll see the giveaway post share the post to your story tag three friends who you would also love to have win a chance to get this awesome stuff, you know. And then on August 20th, we're going to close the entries. On August 23rd, we'll announce a winner. It literally could not be easier. And then you get these delicious treats to share with friends and family. Unless you decide they're too tasty and want them all to yourself. That honestly might happen. Because once you try them, you're going to realize they are scary delicious. On September 21st, Betty called the Pease Air Force Base to report their UFO encounter. So this is the first time she's really like reporting it or talking to anyone about it. And she was really nervous at the time of starting to like talk about it because she thought they would think she's crazy. So she only told them little bits and pieces of it because she didn't want to, you know, seem batshit. So... Before this incident, it should be said that Betty was described as being a really like calm and down to earth person. So the fact that she was really kind of adamant or hyped up over this event led people to believe that something had to have happened that night because that's the only reason Betty would have gotten so hyped, right? 
But this person did not know that about her. So he did not believe this at all. Right. So on September 22nd, a guy named Major Paul W. Henderson, which Henderson, Stranger Things, Dustin, Dustin Henderson, the compass. Okay, Henderson's also the name of one of the doctors in Dr. Death. Okay. That too. (laughs) That's an archive. (laughs) Stranger things. Moving on. (laughs) Um, Dr. Major Henderson (laughs) contacted the Hills by phone and he asked to give a more detailed interview. That led him to creating a report about the incident on September 26th. This report ended up summing up that the Hills adventure was a misidentification of the planet Jupiter while driving home and being tired and being on the road for an extended period of time. How fucking easy is it to spot (laughs) Jupiter? (laughs) I'm going to need to know how to do this. I need someone to send me a picture of Jupiter in the sky and see if I would have found it. Like literally in the sky, like not like I don't want to see like a don't send me a picture of Jupiter. (laughs) Send me a picture of Jupiter in the the sky. sky. (laughs) from my human eye like should it look should i be seeing something in the sky probably maybe this is why the aliens don't want to come for me they're like you're fucking stupid (laughs) you're not even gonna know what we are (laughs) i'm gonna be like i'm from planet galagoops and you're gonna be like is that mars (laughs) do you do you like pluto it's not a planet it's a dwarf planet it counts I'm very passionate. See, you know things. I'm passionate about Pluto, guys. Don't start with me. I have a big Pluto tattoo. (laughs) Betty was not believing Henderson's report. So Henderson doesn't believe Betty. Betty doesn't believe Henderson. It's this whole big ordeal, right? So she wanted to continue finding out what she really saw because she wasn't she wasn't done, right? So her first step was going to be going to the local library to pick up a book about UFOs. And she picked up a book written by a retired Marine Corps named Major Donald E. Kehoe. Kehoe was the head of NICAP, which we talk more about in Skinwalker Ranch episodes in the archives. And again, Kylie's going to tell you what NICAP stands for. No, I'm we not. just told her. No, I'm not. Give me any letter. National. <laughs> you said any letter. I thought maybe if you said one of them, more would spark. I, 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 National Investigation. Committee. Okay, on. Ariola. Okay. Phenomena. No, I couldn't think of it. You did great. I was trying to think of another (laughs) word that was like areola, but started with ph. There's nothing. Phoenix. (laughs) Phoenix. Big low ass. Big low ass. So Walter Webb met with the Hills on October 21st in 1961. It is said that they had a six hour interview. And during that time, the Hills claimed to remember seeing the object in the sky, but pretty much not knowing much more than that. Barney said he thought he had a mental block and that he was probably making the event unknown to him because of trauma or whatever. And he said that that was due to him having moments he didn't want to remember. So his mind was hiding them from the surface. In the biz, we call that PTSD. (laughs) In the biz. Yeah, business of misery. (laughs) Let's take it from the top. Exactly. You know what I mean. Overall, though, even with Barney being a skeptic, Webb believed Betty and Barney. He believed the story. Why is it always Betty and Barney, not Barney and Betty? 
I don't know. I never hear anyone say Barney and Betty Hill, but usually I feel like you hear the man's name first for yeah. some reason. Like I always say Corey and Kylie. I never say Kylie and Corey. That sounds weird. Hmm. So that's just odd to me. Around the days of the end of September, beginning of October. <laughs> Of what? October. <laughs> There's a Y in that word now. <laughs> there was a small development. Ten days after the event had occurred, Betty was talking about her vivid, descriptive, and intense dreams that she started having. She claimed she had never had such detailed dreams. But after having the dreams for five nights straight, they stopped and she never had them again. At first, Betty did nothing other than talk about the dreams in the event. But in November of 1961, she started writing down all the details of these dreams in like a dream journal. So here is the dream. Betty and Barney encounter a roadblock and strange men blocked their path and surrounded their car. In the dream, she lost consciousness and it started going in and out. And when it came back, she was being forced to take a walk in the woods with two strange men who were about five foot or five foot four, like not tall. She said they were wearing matching blue uniforms with caps similar to military cadets, which to me, those remind me kind of of berets. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Berets. Which, again, reminds me of Stranger Things because uh, we all know Robin rocked a beret. Ugh, so cute. Anyways, Betty recalled that Barney was with her in this dream and he's walking with her and everything. And he's walking behind her. But for Barney, it seemed like he didn't snap out of that unconscious trance, though, like she did. And he just seemed like he was like super unconscious. Right. But he, he's like walking with them. But like his his mind is not there. But he remembers that the men seemed almost human, but something was off. Sounds like something we've heard before mm -hmm. in Men in Black and Skinwalker in here. OK. They had black hair, dark eyes, bluish toned lips, gray toned skin, and prominent facial features. In the dreams, Betty, Barney, and the men walk up the ramp into a disc-shaped UFO spacecraft that appeared to be made of metal. Don't know where the dog is at this point. The dog's just hanging out in the car. But he was walking the dog, so the dog wouldn't have been in the car. The dog's just hanging out by the car. <laughs> just chilling. <laughs> Legs tiny. Heart big. <laughs> Once inside, Betty and Barney were instructed that they were going to be separated into two different rooms. Betty protested and she was told by a man that was called the leader that she and Barney, that if they were examined together, it would take a lot longer to conduct the exams. So instead, they were separated and they were taken to two separate rooms. Betty said the man that came in the room next was who performed the exam, and he was called the examiner. She's very um, great with naming things. Yeah, a little bit creative. This man creature thing was described by Betty as having a pleasant and calm manner. The leader um, and the examiner both spoke to her in English, but had like an accent or like something seemed off about him. It's like it was almost there, but there was just that little something like, not a normal accent, though. You yeah. Know, like, not British or, like... It was just, just something like, that they couldn't even distinguish to say anything out, other than, like, out-of-worldly, yeah. And again, it reminds me of the whole, the black-eyed children, the the greys, the reptilians, the, where mm -hmm. it's so close, but some... 
not quite not there it's like an ai bot where you're like oh it's oh it's okay huh not bad but slightly unpleasant yes (laughs) the examiner told betty that he would conduct a few tests to understand the differences between humans and their species he sat her down on a chair and he turned on a super bright light like an examination First, he cut a lock off Betty's hair. Then he performed a normal physical. He examined her eyes, her ears, her mouth, her teeth, her throat, her hands. It seemed kind of normal other than like the hair part or whatever. But but then it started getting weirder. He started saving the trimmings of her fingernails. Then he examined her legs and feet and he used a dull knife to scrape some of her skin into what she calls cellophane. So like saran wrapy type stuff. She described the dull knife as a letter opener. He then tested her nervous system by thrusting a needle into her navel belly button area. That part just mm, sounds bad. No, she said it was agonizing the pain she felt in this moment. But when she vocalized that the examiner or like the leader guy waved his hand in front of her eyes and the, the pain vanished and she felt calm again. Just like whoosh. I could I could be down for being abducted if that <laughs> was my superpower that I got from the abduction to have a hand of calm. Yeah. OK. Huh. I want something cooler. <laughs> I don't know what, but I want something cooler. Well, I mean, your body at that point is like a big science project. So, well, yeah. Oh, I want something cooler. <laughs> The examiner left the room. Betty decided to start looking around the craft that she was in, like the spacecraft. And she saw the leader. She also noticed he was in a room with a bunch of books. So she picked up one of the books and it had a bunch of strange symbols on it. And the leader told her she could take the book home with her. She also asked where he came from. And he pulled down an instructional map that was dotted with stars. And he showed Betty a star map. Now, when I heard this, The first time in my head, what I imagined is like when you were in school and the teacher like pulls down. Yes. The thing from the ceiling and the projection goes on a projector screen. Right. Yeah. Later in another part where he asks her about it again, it almost sounds like he like does more of a Tony Stark type thing where he kind of just like throws it. it in the air and it's like surrounding you and it's like. a a holographic screen surrounding you so i'm kind of confused about it i've i've heard her like interviews and her hypnosis but i can't distinguish how she saw this star map no matter how many times like if it was an actual map or if it was just like surrounding her and she saw it yeah so i'm a little confused on how she saw the star map but we know what the star map looks like because she'll later draw it for us betty and barney were shortly later escorted back to their car While being escorted back, two of the creatures, one of them being the leader, started a disagreement in their language. So Betty and Barney couldn't understand what they were saying, but they started gesturing towards Betty. In the end, the leader said Betty couldn't take the book with her because they instead wanted Betty to forget the entire experience. Betty kind of like counter argued them and she promised she would remember this and then she would always wake up, causing the dream to be over. 
Betty wanted answers to these dreams and she hoped if she was writing them down, she would remember the details. Because remember, that was the dream. That wasn't even the hypnosis, right? Right. So on November 25th, 1961, the Hills were interviewed again by members of NICAP. This time, the members were C.D. Jackson and Robert E. Hoffman. When I said C.D., it sounds like I'm saying C.D. like S-E-E-D-Y, like there's a lot of seeds, C.D. I'm saying two things there. The letter C is in cat. The letter D is in dog. C. D. Jackson. (laughs) C.D. Jackson. (laughs) Because I realized after I said it, I was like, it sounds like his first name is C.D. Yeah. (laughs) Which, by the way, my first ever horse was named C.D. Don't know why. Not C as in cat. D as in dog. C as in cat. D as in dog. His name was C as in cat. D as in dog. Like T.J. Yeah, but it was C.D. I was going to ask why, but you just said you didn't know why. I don't know why. I was a child. I was very young. My I... first horse was named Buckwheat. Okay. I didn't name it. <laughs> During Nope, all I could think of when they kept talking about Jean Jacket was Hannah Montana's horse, Blue Jeans. <laughs> That's the only thing I could think about. <laughs> all right, guys. Sorry, we're getting back on track here. Enough horse talk. There's never enough horse talk in life. Jackson and Hoffman had read Webb's notes and all of his reports and listened to everything. And they started raising the suspicion because no one had talked about it, really. Their four hour road trip took over seven hours. So there was a lot of time lost. Right. And remember, there was that 35 miles. So Betty and Barney had no logical explanation, which it's a phenomenon that ufologists call missing time. The Hills claimed they couldn't remember anything while driving those 30 miles south on U.S. Route 3 between Lincoln and Indian Head and Ashland. Like 35 miles is a pretty like it's annoying how long that is, you know, but 35 miles is not three hours. No, like there is no way to stretch that that slow, even if you're going two miles an hour, like you're not. I can't do math like that, but I'm sure you're right. <laughs> well, I don't think I am. I'm really, I don't know. Don't fuck with me. I mean, you could <laughs> stretch it, but it would be it would be agonizingly slow. Agonizingly. OK, this time NICAP suggests hypnosis and Betty wanted to go for it. Betty thought that this would help her solve her dreams and recall any missing details. Barney had the opposite idea, though. He just wanted to move on and forget the entire ordeal. Barney was like. A not believer. That happened to. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he he is the one that it happened to and he did not believe. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of forgetting it, though, the Hills started trying to retrace their steps to figure out what happened during the month of February of 1962. The Hills started making trips to the White Mountains and driving around, hoping that if they revisit the site, it might spark more memories of the lost time. It didn't, though. On March 3rd, 1963, the Hills publicly discussed the UFO encounter with their church group. Something happens during this. Put a pin in it. In November, the Hills... I don't like the last name, The Hills. Like, I know. It just sounds like I'm not saying something said, right. When you said earlier about that we were doing The Hills, Hills. episode, I thought, like, Silent Hill. <laughs> like, I was so confused. You're like, oh, and we're doing like, radiation? Right. I was really confused. Yeah. It just sounds like I'm not, like, finishing a sentence. 
In November, the Hills went to an amateur UFO study group called Two State UFO Study Group in Quincy State, Mass. Nope, Quincy Center, Massachusetts. Sorry. And between these two discussions, they were told they need to go talk to a guy named Benjamin Simon. Benjamin Simon was a Boston-based psychiatrist who worked with hypnosis. Would you ever do? Ow! Would you ever do hypnosis? <laughs> Do you believe in hypnosis? Yes. Okay. Um, hmm, do I believe in hypnosis? Yeah, I guess that's the question. Um, hmm. Yes and yes. I think I would. It depends. Okay, wait. It, I, I would do it if I felt safe. Let me like give a thing. Oh, yeah. I would do a hypnosis if like I was in a comfortable place with comfortable people if I knew what they would be talking about while and things like that and if you know if I get discomforted are they going to snap me out of it type thing but if it's like a I'm going to Vegas and I'm gonna get hypnotized and stuff like I'm no I mean like medically like yes I think I would very strategically induced hypnosis yeah yeah I'm gonna say a big fat yep on that one so I've done some research into this because I have a very debilitating phobia, right? Mm -hmm. That's in the archives about phobias. The episode's called Phobias. If, if you didn't, <laughs> if you didn't catch on to that. <laughs> but um, there's someone here that does hypnosis, and I really thought about doing it mm. because the reviews have been actually like that they help. Yeah. Good. Huh. So. Yeah, I think I would. Especially if I knew if it, it was, was for like, some, yeah, like if it was going to help me out in a way or something like if I went to my therapist, my therapist is like, you have some unresolved trauma. OK, I mean, I do actually. I have a lot of unresolved trauma. But if they were like, we could help this by getting to the source of blah, blah. OK, sure. But if they're like, if you start to cry, I'm still going to keep going and be like, well, OK, wait, no, <laughs> hold on. Oh, crying is pedal. Crying is normal. How I'm crying, I guess I should say. Oh, Barney is hysterical in this when we right. get to the hypnosis like right. if you've heard his tapes he is upsetty spaghetti to say the least <laughs> and i'm putting it nicely <laughs> simon began hypnotizing the hills on january 4th 1964 he hypnotized betty and barney several times each i almost had something interesting to give you on that date but not quite it was january 5th i could okay there's a famous serial killer born on January 5th. That's why. Sorry. January 4th is my stepdad's birthday. And um, I think there's one on the 7th. Actually, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like on January 4th, um, what is that guy, the Australian serial killer that's super famous? Um, You're asking me. <laughs> Ivan Malat. Maybe him. Maybe it's not him. Someone. There is a serial killer. I'm pretty sure with the January 4th birthday, but I can't place it. It's on the tip of my tongue. I want to figure it out. My stepdad probably knows. Because he's that type of person that would know those things. I only know the one that's on the 5th. It is. Joel Rifkin. That doesn't sound very popular. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, he 
He is, but okay. <laughs> just it doesn't sound like a popular name. Oh well. Um. Okay. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I know nothing. Um. Well, the one that I was thinking about, which this is very interesting, is on January 5th, which is the day before my birthday. That's why I was thinking about it. Is William Bonin, but even crazier. Are you ready for this one, Kylie? Guess who else is born on January 5th? Who? Um, Wesley Allen Dodd, the first ever Final Friday guy. How do you remember these things? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like a talent, insult, curse. I don't know. Probably a little <laughs> bit of all of the above. Now, on January 4th, 1964, Simon began hypnotizing the hills, just to bring you back to where we were. Sorry, guys. <laughs> he hypnotized Betty and Barney several times each, and the sessions lasted all the way through June 6th, 1964. So it is a... That's my mom's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> or no, it's not. No, it's not. My mom's birthday is June 3rd. I was supposed to be born on June 6th. That would be really funny. Though. That would be funny, though. Um... Simon conducted the sessions on Barney and Betty separately so that they couldn't overhear one another's recollections of the events. That makes sense. Simon hypnotized Barney first and his recalling of witnessing these non-human figures was super intense. Like I mentioned a minute ago, Barney would have outbursts. He would cry. He seemed engulfed with fear. He was extremely emotional and distressed. And you can find all these online, guys. After hearing how emotional Barney was, Simon reinstated amnesia at the end of the sessions to try to prevent further emotional trauma forming. But during the hypnosis, Barney said due to his fear, he kept his eyes closed for most of the abduction and for most of the physical examination. Barney told a story about how the binocular strap had broken because when he was running back from the UFO to his car, he broke it, right? But remember... While out of hypnosis, he claimed he had no idea how that happened. So it's kind of interesting. It gets brought up. Mm -hmm. He also recalled driving the car away from the UFO. But after he did that, he felt an overwhelming urge to pull over and drive over towards the woods. He sighted six men standing on a dirt road. The car had stalled and three of the men approached the car. They told Barney not to fear him, but they weren't speaking aloud. So, again, this is some of that like. In your mind type it's thing. It's very men in black, though, like how they're just like all of a sudden there. And they're like weird things Overly happening. trying to calm you. Like, right. Yeah. Like overly nice, but still really creepy. And just off. It always reminds me of that one story where they wanted the pie and they were like, can you burn it? And the lady's like, you want me to burn the pie? And they're like, yes, you guys love cooking here. Please cook it until it's black. And she's like, no, that's like that's that's burning it and he's like yes i would like my pie burnt <laughs> yes i would and like she's it like, burnt nobody wants their pie burnt yeah <laughs> it's the just, only thing i like burnt is marshmallows it's like not wrong but it's not right right it's not what a human would do it's a little off the little off <laughs> the leader had told barney to close his eyes again telepathically barney described the being similar to what betty had mentioned throughout her dreams and everything else but uh, remember, Barney says this whole time they're in black outfits. Betty's saying blue outfits. That's our biggest difference so far. Barney related that he and Betty were taken onto the disc shaped craft. And there they were separated. He was escorted to a room by three of the men and he was told to lie down on a small rectangular exam table. 
Then a cup-like device was placed over his genitals and he did not experience an orgasm, but he thinks they took a sperm sample. Okay. Okay. All right, Barney. Okay. (laughs) Then the men scraped his skin and peered into his ears and his mouth. And then a tube or a cylinder like item was inserted to his anus and very quickly, very quickly, so quickly removed super <laughs> fast so it, like really quick it was, it was so fast it's like it wasn't even there almost right. like it no homo no homo <laughs> ew <laughs> no kylie i cannot resist <laughs> like he was he was pretty pretty adamant about this whole the anus moment was a very quick moment in the spaceship okay he but, said and he didn't have an orgasm. He did not have an orgasm either. Two big things about Barney. No orgasms, no anal. No, no. He is not straight edge. He is not <laughs> part of the Jody Arias episode. <laughs> he said it felt like the creatures felt his spine and were counting his vertebrae after that. Barney said that he couldn't understand the language they were speaking and it was mumbling and incomprehensible, which is counteracting to what she had said remember now whatever the creatures like when they did start to interact with barney they did it through as he claimed thought transference and he kept using the term thought transference instead of telepathic and it's later noted that people realized barney had never heard the word tel telepathy telepathy and telepathic Ooh. You got it? <laughs> kind of. Okay. That one, I, I can say telepathic perfectly fine. Telepathy. Telepathy. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing wrong? Where's that word? Telepathy. Telepathy. There you go. Oh my God. <laughs> I was it. trying to still keep the ah sound in there. The what Telepathy. <laughs> Telepathically. <laughs> Telepathy. Um, there's, oh, I was going to say, there's no A's even in the fucking word. There's a big A in there. Yeah. Okay. But uh, he had never heard those terms. Clearly, I have not either. Um, So when he was describing thought transference, he was describing a telepathic thought, but he didn't know the term telepathic to say it. So thought transference. Thought transference. Yeah. But I just used the term telepathic this whole episode because I thought it was easier. Turns out it is not easy for me. (laughs) In the end, Barney recalled being escorted from the ship and taken to his car. He then watched the ship take off and leave. Barney tried to give reasoning to some of the events, like how the lights could have been planets or the moon or just like something in the air traveling. But we already have debunked all those things. Planets don't exist in the sky. You can't see those. The moon <laughs> they don't exist in the sky. <laughs> nope. The moon had already set that night, so they weren't seeing the moon. And it wasn't air travel because he already debunked that one himself. But he's like trying to reason with himself at this point. Right. Barney had talked about how he tried to get the vehicle to also mimic the beeping noises that he heard early in the the night. But he had no success. Like he was putting his car in like forward and reverse, kind of moving it around, going all over the road to see. if Which doesn't make sense because they heard it while they were driving. Yeah. Okay. He's trying to reason with himself real hard, but he's also trying to block it out like barney did not want this to happen no he did not like any of this next up betty was hypnotized and while under hypnosis 
she had really similar answers to what her dreams and the journals had talked about. Some of the notable differences were during her capture and release, it happened just a little bit differently. The technology on the craft was a little bit more like advanced than what she originally described. And the creatures did look a little bit different than she originally described. So they were all like smaller things, though. It wasn't like big things that changed the whole Mm storyline, but it was small, like bits and pieces here that were just kind of like, okay, maybe it's a clarification more. Betty seemed emotional during her hypnosis as well. She was crying. She looked like she had fear building up and stuff, but she was on no level of Barney. To give you guys an example, like Barney was like, who's a really good actor, like really good. Heath Ledger. Oh, Barney was Heath Ledger and Betty is um, Adam Sandler trying to do the same role. Okay. (laughs) Both trying to do the same role, though. Adam Sandler is good. Keith Ledger is good. They are not going to give you the exact same performance, though. No, no. (laughs) Simon gave Betty the post-hypnotic suggestion that told her she should sketch a copy of that star map that she had seen. And when she later described it, she described it as the three-dimensional projection similar to a hologram. So see, that's where I'm like, okay, not a map. That's not a map at all. Her map consisted of 12 prominent stars. Snars. (laughs) Snars. I'm struggling tonight. I don't know what's happening to me. Maybe I'm hungry. She. (laughs) I don't know. I like food. Her map consisted of 12 prominent stars connected by lines and then three lesser ones that formed a distinctive triangle. She also described that there were trader routes, flying routes, patterns in the sky, things like that. But she couldn't remember everything or she couldn't even draw it or write it down, but she could explain it at least. After the hypnosis sessions, Simon said Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was simply a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Wait, so you said that she also described trade routes like for them? Yes. Not for us. No. That's terrifying. Yes. Meaning there's more out there. Even. Right. Um, so Simon believes that Barney was only having these thoughts because of Betty and Betty's imagination running wild. And essentially Betty's imagination's running wild because she heard the story from her sister. So now it's a game of psychopathic telephone kind of. Hmm. Barney said that was not true. All of a sudden, Barney's a believer when he hears that. He's like, that that's not true because he listened to his own hypnosis tapes and he said they had to have been abducted. And it's the only logical explanation because of how distraught he was in those tapes. And because he genuinely could not remember that stuff while like awake and stuff. He's like, yeah. the only answer is like I was abducted of hypnosis. and I was blocking it out with this mental block. Like I didn't want to remember so it's very interesting that Barney was such a strong non-believer and then. Well, he, he's just like getting defensive. Well, yeah. And so that's the thing is, was he being defensive because now he's like his, you know, reputation is like, being no, no, called no. into it. Yeah. Or is he like, no, like, did you not hear me? Like, that's real. So when the series of hypnosis sessions were complete, 
Simon wrote an article about the Hills for the journal called Psychiatric Opinion. Simon concluded that the case was a singular, singular psychological aberration where Betty had inspired Barney, like I said, but it was not a shared event that truly happened between the two. After Simon and the hypnosis events, the Hills went back to their regular lives. They were willing to discuss the alleged UFO encounter with friends, family, or like an occasional UFO researcher, but they made no big moves to try to seek publicity for it. They didn't want money for it. They weren't trying to like get rich. They weren't trying to make a big deal of it. They weren't trying trying to move on. Yeah. They were just like, okay, well, we told our piece, which is like a big deal because people believed it more because they're like, you would think it was made up that they would have gone extra lengths. Like in the Jersey Devil when they purchased a kangaroo. (laughs) In the archives. In 1965, in a newspaper called the Boston Traveler, their October 25th edition of the paper had a front page story talking in detail about the events that happened to the Hills. They had, here's where the pin, the pins, you know, put a pin in it, Mm -hmm. pins coming out. So they had someone from the church group back when the Hills told their story to them come forward with a recording they had sneakily taken and given to the newspaper group. That's so fucked up. That's you're in the church, dude. Right. Ugh, like dude. out of all the places, man, God doesn't like liars <sighs> or sneaky little sneaksters. Like <laughs> I thought of sniper, no sniping. Oh, I was being swiper, swiper, sneaky snip. sniper, swiper, no swiping. Sorry, I'm aging myself because I was. <laughs> Did you say sniper like a gun? Yep. Do you think they had nope. a sniper named character? Mm, no. <laughs> I was too old. Oh my god. I was too old. Sniper. Psychiatrists later suggested that the abductions were the hallucinations that I had talked about at the beginning of the episode by being in a stressful relationship because of being interracial. That's exactly what it is. But Betty discounted this suggestion, noting that her and Barney had a very happy relationship. And their interracial marriage caused no notable problems with friends or family. And Imagine I mean, that. they were like both, they both had decent jobs. He was in the military. They both were part of a church. They both were like part of the NAACP. Like, it sounds like no one really gave two fucks about them because maybe they were just that good of people and everyone liked them together that people were like, I'm not saying this to be racist, mind you, like this is how they thought, but being like, okay, you guys are the one exception. We'll allow that couple. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because they probably still didn't like the concept, but I can't maybe even, like, they were I can't okay even, with it. I can't imagine it. I can't either. And the fact that, uh, the, yeah. So in my head, maybe that's the only solution. It's still far-fetched sounding, but I don't know. On December 12th, 1966, Barney was on an episode of To Tell the Truth. And they asked him about his experience. He briefly explained it again. But again, he didn't like want the fame and fortune. He just was like, they they wanted him on like to ask I'm, him and he did. Yeah, this and this and, and this. And now we yeah. go home. Yeah. And it he's just like, like yeah, so that's how it happened. Okay, thanks for having me. Like, it wasn't some big, they didn't go around talking to a bunch of people. They didn't have a bunch of shows, nothing. Barney then died of a cerebral hemorrhage on February 25th, 1969 at 46 years old. Cerebral oh, that's hemorrhage. So sad. Wait, what? Cerebral hemorrhage, like a um, what's blood it? clot in your brain stroke. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. That's so sad. He died in 1969. MUFON comes about in 1969. He never got to meet anyone from MUFON, probably. He only got to meet the NICAP guys. And he probably didn't, like, care. No, but they would have cared to meet him. Oh, yeah, they would have cared. That's such a bummer. I don't know how I remember that, but they started in 1969. It's because it's 69. We also went to the moon that year. <laughs> that was the year we went to the moon. I'm a science and English person. You are so much history. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, so like what? <laughs> okay, well, that one's because of even Stevens. We went to oh the moon in God. 1969. Maybe that's how I remember MUFON. To the Mufanoon in 1969. The Mufan Moon? Yeah, gotta just put it all in one sentence okay. to remember it. Okay. In the dis in in the dis in the December. <laughs> I can't quite. It talk. is correct though. In the December 1974 issue of Astronomy, the editors published a lead feature story titled The Zeta Reticuli Incident. Now what is that, right? You have no fucking clue. In this article, a well-known astronomer named Terrence Dickinson, who probably got fired after writing this article, described <laughs> the Betty and Barney Hill story, and he talked heavily about Betty's star map drawing. Dude, this guy is such a dick in this article. I'll explain it in a second. But the map was supposedly just a map that, you know, Betty had seen that she drew everything else. But when they later in later years looked at this map, they realized it lines up almost exactly with a star system called Zeta Reticuli. So over time, it's been an argument if that could make the story more or less believable. And the reason why that matters is because Zeta Reticuli was not discovered around that time. And Betty would have had no knowledge about Zeta Reticuli at all. And the fact that she almost perfectly like put it together is really odd. That makes me believe it more. Okay, so I mentioned he's like a dick, right? One of the beginning paragraphs, he's like, is the Betty, he he paraphrases the Betty and Barney story, right? And he talks about what happened. And then he's like, is it a great story? Yeah. Is it a real story? No. Is it hoaxy? Yes. Is it fake? Yes. Do I believe it? No. Is it over the top? Yes. Is it silly? Yes. Should we talk about it more? No, but I'm going to because I'm going to prove it wrong. And I'm like, okay, then. <laughs> you are hostile in 1974, my man. <laughs> my man. Um, Betty went on to become a celebrity in the UFO community. She ended up dying of cancer on October 17th, 2004 at the age of 85. She never remarried. But her... Her relationship was just so stressful. Why wouldn't she remarry? Exactly right. <laughs> a number of scientists, including J. Allen Hynek, who's a famous astronomer, but mostly famous in the UFO, UFO world because he's a really well-known ufologist. And he discussed the incident with the Hills and they agreed with Simon's belief that there is no evidence that they're lying or like fabricating this story. But no one can figure out if the story is true or not. So that is kind of interesting. He's like someone that super believes and he's saying it's it might it might be it might not. Like, bitch, it might be. B bitch, it might be. <laughs> like, so in his mind, he's like, well, Betty had a master's degree in social work. 
She was a supervisor in the New Hampshire Welfare Department. Yes, I said it weird. Barney was the governor of the New Hampshire's Civil Rights Commission and a well-known man in his community. What did they have to gain from making this up? Like, they had more to lose than to gain. Right. Literally. By far. Especially because they were also an interracial couple. Betty had a master's degree, so she was like a school person, which in the 1960s, I feel like was kind of wild and stuff. So they already were going against the grain. And then they're every aspect. Yeah. And then they're like, you know what we should do? We should make a weird alien story. (laughs) Yes. Babe, they have to put something in your butt. And he's like, no, no, No. they no, they don't. Just but what what if it's really quick? (laughs) He's like, really how quick? I'm not gonna come for them. Okay, babe, you don't (laughs) babe, you don't have to come. No orgasm. (laughs) No. After they passed away, Kathleen Martin, which is Betty Hill's niece, and she is a um, very intense human being. She (laughs) is a UFO abduction researcher and author. Some of the things she wrote are captured the Betty and Barney Hill UFO experience and science was wrong. She was and she actually still might be the international director of MUFON. Last I saw an update was before COVID. And if you go to their website, they haven't talked about their recent one. They talk about more like the founders and stuff. So I'm not quite sure if she still is the international director, but she probably is and could potentially be. For 10 years, Kathy also, uh, she goes by Kathy, sorry. She volunteered as MUFON's director of field investigator training In 2012, she was uh, the recipient of MUFON's Researcher of the Year Award. And nowadays, she's recognized as the world's leading expert on the Betty and Barney Hill abduction. So she's she's credible about this. Kylie, you ready for another one? No. What does MUFON stand for? Nope. I'll give you a hint. UFO is in the middle. I knew that one. So what's MN? I don't remember. Mutual UFO Network. Mutual. Yeah. Are you team NICAP or team MUFON? I don't know. I think I'm team MUFON. NICAP's a little too intense I think, and like yeah. aggressive. I think I would be more MUFON related because NICAP was very like military-esque. Yeah. And MUFON rolls off the tongue better. NICAP, NICAP is makes me think of a nightcap. Like when you well, yes, it. also that. No, like before Stranger Things, yes. But Stranger Things, like the lab. Yes. Like NICAB makes me think of them. But MUFON makes me think of nice people. <laughs> I actually know exactly what you mean. Same. Like it's the same like like weird. I feeling. feel like MUFON could hang with the stars to the Stars Academy and be cool with them. If NICAP and to the Stars Academy got in the same room, they'd be like, So no. here's what you guys are doing wrong. Right. And like I feel like NICAP just is a little too pretentious. Yeah. Just because, like, they think they know it all. I don't know. They all have beef with each other. If you guys don't know, alien fans are fucking wild people. We are not to be <laughs> fucked with. We have strong <laughs> opinions. I know it'll shock you guys that I have a strong opinion, but... In the media, uh, nowadays, details of the Hills case were used in different things, such as there's an X-File episode called um, Josie Tongues from Outer Space. I don't remember this episode. I should. Did you ever watch the X-Files? Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember this one. I mean, it was 
ancient times ago. Yeah. I need to rewatch it because I would actually really enjoy it as an adult. I should rewatch it and re-get back into it. I have a, I have an X-Files tattoo, guys. I have many alien themed tattoos on my body. So You have many different themed tattoos on your body. I think alien is what I have the most. So I think I have six and I have I have like four UFOs alone. Really? Yeah, I mean I have no, no. I have a huge UFO with well, literally staring at you. No, I know. But yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot. Okay. In um other things, there is a talk of an American horror story, the asylum season and the Death Valley season. They talk about like kind of like paraphrase the hill abduction and like use bits and pieces of it. Mm. I can't watch that show. I'm too much of a pussy. <laughs> the new season of American Horror Stories looks terrifying with the dolls. Someone tell me if you've watched it because I like, I saw th- I saw a trailer for it and it I'm looks like, nope, scary. I don't no, like dolls. You. No, thank you. Also, in 2019, the History Channel had their TV show called Project Blue Book. Episode nine is called Abduction, and it's based on the Betty and Barney Hill UFO incident. Project. Project Blue Book, the TV show, like the little docuseries, I think it's a pretty decent series. It does give you a lot of information about the alien network also, just like like I was talking about, like MUFON, NICAP, like people that are in the network and things like that. That's why I like it, because Project Blue Book introduces you to the people you should know in the biz. In the biz. I like saying in the biz tonight. Bigelow ass. (laughs) Bigelow ass biz. (laughs) For most of my sources tonight, I did have to use YouTube for some of the videos and the like listening to Betty and Barney's abductions tapes and things like that. Uh, But if you didn't want to do it that way, the book that I read for this, The Interrupted Journey by John G. Fuller, they write out the interviews also in there so you can just read them. But that's not fun. You don't get the emotion, especially Barney's emotion. Yeah. You want that Heath Ledger performance. <laughs> There's also another book called The Interpretations of an Alien Star Map by William McBride. It talks about a lot more than just this case, though. So it's one of those like if you read it, you're going to hear a lot more than just Betty and Barney Hill. So that is uh, that. Kylie, do you be- do you believe Betty and Barney? Yes. You believe they were abducted or you believe they think they were abducted what do you believe i believe they were abducted okay why did they not take the dog did they not think it was cute enough is it because it wasn't a long-haired doxy long-haired doxies are much better than short-haired they are really cute so cute you want to talk about the photo the photo shoot okay so there's this (laughs) photo we'll post it for the photo but And they're sitting there like a little couple, like in love, but they have the dog in their family photo, just, just with them. Yeah. Like they went and had these professional photos taken, like at like a Sears or a Kmart, whatever existed in the 1960s. And they were like, it's probably Sears. We need the dog too, please. The dog. The dog. We have the dog on our lap. Take pictures with, of the dog. Do you think the dog got its own photo in the end also? Probably. Just with a bandana. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Tiny little bandana on a tiny little dog. What about you? Do you believe them? Oh, yeah, I believe them. I I have always believed the Betty and Barney story. Even though it is a little kind of out there. Haha, <laughs> pun intended. But um, 
it's less out there than other stories once you start to hear other ones. Yeah, I think that I think I heard about Skinwalker before Betty and Barney. I I might be wrong, but there was a there was a story and I don't remember where I heard it. I'm it was another podcast. Um something about a a strand of hair around a penis. I don't remember the whole story, but I remember that part. And it's yeah. just like those little details, the specific details of things is what makes me really believe. Because, I mean, there's stories where also a lot of people saw things like Rendlesham, um, the Aurora incident, the Michigan UFO sightings, like things like that, or even the um, Puerto Rican USO sightings, things like that. Yeah, it's not just like one random person trying to yeah. and get fame. I believe those too but then when it's something like this where again they didn't want the fame and they didn't really care and they did have so many things that are just like that's odd that's odd well that's odd that Mm -hmm. it just it makes you believe about it yeah so well guys thank you for listening to our second almost i mean i don't know yeah i don't know if we're counting skinwalker as aliens we're kind of just counting it as paranormal right now so kind of our second ish third-ish depending on how you feel in alien set and uh for the giveaway beginnings because guys that uh, yeah giveaway the giveaway Giveaway. (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys to all those that help make this podcast what it is kylie and i couldn't do this alone so thank you damon vikoski for creating our theme song original artwork by taylor with lab monkey creative on instagram and editing by Corey with core.media.photography on Instagram. Don't forget to follow our Instagram at cryptic soup pod, where DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. Apple podcast reviews and ratings and Spotify ratings definitely help us out and just make us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So please, if you would go ahead and do that. And if you do, we'll give you a big old thanks. Remember guys, We can't wait to have you tell us how you feel about the episode. So subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us, and remember to join the conversation. We'll see you next Tuesday for the next episode. Stay tuned. too close to it. <laughs> I told you.